Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Speak Plainly with me, your host, Owl Medicine. Here I talk to you about things that matter. And today's topic is ACEs, the ACE study. For those of you who have never heard of the ACE study, you are who I'm going to be talking to primarily today because... Once you know it, you know it, but when you don't know it and learn it, it can change your life. So let me preface today's episode with this is going to be a triggering episode for some people. In the episode, I'm going to ask the 10 questions that are asked in the ACE study. And in those questions are questions about multiple types of abuse. So if when we get to that question, you know that you're triggered by those things uh, the, and you still want to know what those questions are, you can Google the ACE study questions yourself. But I do find for myself, this is important enough. I'm going to ask the questions. So just know this is going to be an uncomfortable episode. And if anybody needs to bow out, Go right ahead. You don't need to re-trigger yourself or re-traumatize yourself. So the ACE study is Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. This was a study done by the CDC and Kaiser Permanente. Um, It happened in two waves from 1995 to 97. And overall, there were 17,000 participants in this study, which is a huge sample size. It was the first ever of its study and is an absolute landmark. This, this is one of those studies that when it came out, it, it turned the world on its head for the people who cared. Um, unfortunately, it has been ignored by a lot of the medical community, which is extremely unfortunate. And we'll we'll get into a few of those reasons later. But let me explain this whole thing for you and why it's so important that I wanted to do an episode on it. So this study asked a series of questions, 10 questions, to these folks and then compared their health as, like, now as adults. It asked them about their childhood. And now as adults, they looked at their health outcomes and they compared the two. And with a sample size this big, they were able to come up with some conclusions that have been repeated over and over again, because there have actually been multiple ACE studies now, not as big, but there have been lots of follow-up studies done in multiple different states and uh, countries across the world, actually. But the original study was based on these 10 questions, and... The outcome was crazy because what we found out is these 10 questions are questions about adversity and more than half of everybody who took it said that they got at least one. They had at least one of these categories um, of childhood adversity. And then a quarter of the people had reported at least two. And 
there's a dose-response relationship between these childhood experiences and the outcomes that we have in our psychological and biological health later in life. Those outcomes become exponentially more profound when you have four or more aces. If you have four or more aces, then you have a four to 12 fold chance for alcoholism, drug abuse, depression, or a suicide attempt. And in one of these follow-up studies, a really good study that was published in Nature, which is like Nature is one of the top premier scientific publications. But in Nature, they also were able to add autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, insomnia, depression, and anxiety disorders to the list of things that seem to have a direct correlation with adverse childhood experiences, ACEs. So I'm going to go ahead and read off these questions because I think they're that important. If you think you're going to get triggered, here's your chance. You can stop now and Google it later when you, when you are in a place where you can feel safe. Number one was, did a parent or other adult in the household often swear at you, insult you, put you down, or humiliate you, or act in a way that made you afraid that you might be physically hurt? If yes, that's an ace. Two, did a parent or other adult in the household often push, grab, slap, or throw something at you, or ever hit you so hard that you had marks or were injured? If yes, that's an ace. Did an adult or person at least five years older than you ever touch or fondle you or have you touch their body in a sexual way or attempt to actually have oral, anal, or vaginal intercourse with you? If yes, that's an ace. Did you often feel that no one in your family loved you or thought of you, thought that you were important or special? Your family didn't look out for each other feel close to each other, or support each other? If that's applicable to you, then that's an ace. Number five, did you feel that you didn't have enough to eat, had to wear dirty clothes, and had no one to protect you, or your parents were too drunk or high to take care of you, or to take you to the doctor if you needed it? If yes, that's an ace. Six, were your parents ever separated or divorced? That's an ace. Were any of your parents or other adult caregivers often pushed, grabbed, slapped, or had something thrown at them, or sometimes often kicked, bitten, hit with a fist, or hit with something hard? Have you ever been threatened with a gun or a knife? If that is applicable, that's an ace. Number eight, did you live with anyone who was a problem drinker or alcoholic or who used street drugs? If yes, that's an eight. An ace. Was a household member depressed or mentally ill or did a household member attempt suicide? That's an ace. Did a household member go to prison? That's an ace. There's your 10. So, a half 
of everybody who took that reported at least one. Uh, a quarter reported reported two. And it was one in six, but in the following in follow up studies, it's or it's it was one in eight. In follow up studies, it's now been um, one in six, and as much as one in four people in other areas of the United States, when they did this, reported four or more. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. So that's the first thing that we learned from this is childhood adversity is way more common than we thought. And by the way, this study was originally done on mostly college-educated, mostly white, affluent people. So before anybody wants to be like, oh, well, yeah, hard, it's, it, that's, that's those type of people in some other place. Nope. This was, this was white, like, suburbia. So they're really, really common. But the health outcomes are crazy because when a person has four or more ACEs, you have a four to 12 fold chance for alcoholism, drug abuse, depression, and to have a suicide attempt. Like, it's crazy. So to break down these diseases as an adult, folks with four or more ACEs are two and a half times more likely to develop COPD, uh, COPD and hepatitis, four and a half times more likely to develop depression, and 12 times more likely to consider or attempt suicide. Seven or more ACEs triple a person's lifetime risk of lung cancer and makes you three and a half times more likely to get ischemic heart disease, which is the number one killer in the U.S. That's crazy. And also, if you're thinking, yeah, a rough childhood will make you more likely to engage in damaging behaviors and that kind of thing, like smoking and drugs. Well, guess what? They did a control for that. And they and turns out that even if you don't engage in smoking and drinking and unprotected sex and drugs of abuse, you still are more likely to develop heart disease and cancer. That's that's crazy. So the point I'm driving home here is not that everybody needs to go get checked for COPD and all of that sort of thing. Um, my point is that your early life experiences have such a profound result on you. Your early psychological experience has such a profound result on you that it changes your biology. It changes your biology not for the better. And that's quite unfortunate. But knowing that is extremely powerful. Because one, for people who did experience abuse and neglect, it can be really isolating and you feel very alone, but you don't know what, what's normal. And having a, a quantified one to 10 score of how screwed up your childhood was 
isn't a bad place to start in not feeling alone when you start to realize that tons of people, way more than you thought, had like rough childhood experiences and that those things have a dramatic effect on our health. And some of the abuse was direct, right? Like some of it was, some of these questions ask about you being physically or sexually assaulted or abused. But a lot of the rest of it is about you witnessing abuse or witnessing these certain things. And so all you're doing is witnessing it. But the psychological reality of witnessing these things imprints on you so profoundly your psychological reality becomes the literal form of your brain, which is nuts. But what's happening is we're having to stay in such a high alert state that we never get time to what's called rest and digest. We never get time to slow down and recuperate and allow our bodies to build, to de-stress and to literally build the brain matter and the neurological matter, the myelination. Um, One of the things that happens is our vagus nerve is affected by these early stresses. Um, We have multiple branches of the vagus nerve, but the posterior branch, the branch in the back, comes in fully myelinated because it's a few hundred million years old, but this more anterior um, vagus nerve exists only really in mammals and is only a few hundred thousand years old. We get the nerve, but it's not really myelinated and it myelinates. The myelination or is just these lumps of fat that go around the nerve to insulate the nerve. The body has to build up that myelination and it doesn't get a chance to do that because it's under constant chronic stress and nothing under stress can build. It can just keep functioning and keep functioning and keep functioning, which is why so many of us find ourselves in this constant fight to just stay functioning, stay functioning, stay functioning, stay functioning, because that's, that's all we know. We never got to actually chill and experience the growth that comes from the downtime because we were constantly exposed to threats. So if you haven't heard of ACEs and this is your first time, send me a message, leave a comment because I would love to hear what, how this, how this hit with you. I would love to hear from you on what this brought up for you because it changed everything for me. Um, that was that was one of the big turning points. Finding the ACE studies was one of the big turning points in me deciding to write a book uh, because it was just like everybody needs to know about this. And that's why I'm doing it as today's podcast. Everybody needs to know about this. So continuing with this theme, the early childhood experiences are from these stressful experiences. And the other connection that ties 
all of this stuff even more together is with PTSD. Because essentially that's what it is, right? These early childhood experiences give us PTSD, except that basically means we've lived our entire lives with PTSD. Um, And depending on the event, how we interpreted the event, and whether it was a single event or a series of chronic stress, all of that changes how we adapt and interpret the world. So in exploring PTSD in this, it, it, it's worth noting that the causes are, are the same, that the causes for adverse childhood experiences and the causes for PTSD are abuse, neglect, accidents, disasters, war, um, and most importantly, the areas of the brain that are affected are the same. The amygdala, the hippocampus, and the ventral medial prefrontal cortex, which is just the front and middle prefrontal cortex. So that area is in charge of memories, emotions, stress, fear, um, threat response, and decision-making. And it's important here to look at those three parts of the brain and what happens to those three parts of the brain. So you're under chronic stress because essentially there's someone in your in your environment that is a threat and that threat is constantly causing you to be on guard. So you're basically looking your the the analogy a great analogy for it is like your brain and the bear. You're constantly on the lookout for a bear. You see a bear, your heart starts, you want to run away, your body does everything it needs to do and to prepare you to run away. It does everything it needs to do with the blood and with your eyeballs so you can focus on stuff and you can get lots of blood to your to your limbs so you can run real fast. Um, although running from a bear is not may not be that great of an idea, but you get the point. The constant threat around you makes the threat evaluation center, which is the amygdala, it keeps that constantly engaged. And when you constantly engage that, it works it and 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 until it grows bigger and bigger and bigger and stronger. And when the amygdala is activated, that threat response center, when that's activated, it inhibits other areas of the brain when it's being strongly activated. It specifically inhibits that medial prefrontal cortex, who those like those two parts of the brain are pretty close to each other and they're pretty well connected because they're supposed to have a two-way communication. And they often do in most people, in normal people, but in the case of PTSD, the amygdala is bigger and stronger than it's supposed to be, and the prefrontal prefrontal cortex is smaller than it's supposed to be, because that prefrontal cortex about decision-making and critical thinking, you don't get a chance to critically think very often when you're constantly in survival mode, so you don't get that part of your brain very well developed, but you still get your threat response evaluation really well developed. So then that amygdala is yelling over top of everything that the prefrontal cortex wants to do. So that means that for us, the people with more with high aces, four or more, we have a more dramatic response when we feel threatened. And we can't talk ourselves out of it 
nearly as easily. So often I have to, if I feel really threatened by something and I recognize that I'm not actually being like physically threatened, I'll have to call somebody to help calm me down because I'm unable to do it for myself. I'll have to look at this situation and evaluate it and be like, am I actually under threat? Is anybody physically going to hurt me in my immediate space and time? And if the answer is no, then I'll have to sometimes get a hold of somebody else to help re-regulate me and down-regulate me because my, that, my, that medial prefrontal cortex is not able to talk back to the amygdala because mine, and, mine and people who have four or more aces and i'm sure it's a graduating scale right it's not some magically at four all of a sudden you get a bigger amygdala but people with more of that chronic childhood stress and more practice essentially looking for threats it's just stronger the amygdala is bigger and meaner and badder and so when he gets going he just gets going the other area is the hippocampus. We haven't really talked about the hippocampus yet. The hippocampus is in charge of facilitating memories and and storing memories. So the memories aren't stored in the hippocampus. That's not the way the brain works. It turns out everything is pretty much everything in, in the brain is distributed, um, meaning there's little there's little pieces here and little pieces there for everything. And whenever we try to recall something in memory, there's a whole system that's engaged and that hippocampus, it's the same thing under stress. It's not able to form memories. We're not able, we lose our short-term memory and we're not able to form memories as easily or as often. And one of the things, this is um, one of the things related to this is in order to make a memory, you really just need to have a really strong neurochemical reaction if you have enough neurotransmitters and like being dumped into your body, enough epinephrine or cortisol, oxytocin, serotonin, whatever, depending on which which profile you're getting, the the memory will be pleasant if it's oxytocin based and serotonin based, and probably less pleasant if it's just like nociceptin, which is about pain and epinephrine. Um, so it does the brain doesn't really matter whether it's positive or negative but it 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 takes those high intensity moments and locks them into our memories and when you have a strong amygdala like that and you're always on guard for threat the only thing that you ever see is threats so the only memories that we're ever able to make are new negative memories Negative memories become the most salient memories. Every time we try to think of anything, all we can think of is the negative stuff. And if that isn't depression, I don't know what is. And I do know what depression is, because I have it. So that's the ACE study. I'm gonna keep it short this time. I'm gonna try to anyway. That's the ACE study. Kaiser Permanente. It's, um, it's crazy, the, the effect that the psych, our psychological reality affects our physical health. Over time, over decades, over decades, our psychological reality, our, the, our environment provides our psychological reality and it's our physical reality, right? Like we're physically being exposed to these things. We are, we feel under threat, even if we're, even if we aren't the ones being abused, the effect is so profound 
on our physiology. One final thing to drive this home with, another one that everybody is just like, it's it's not a real diagnosis, it's all just in their heads. Um, turns out Holocaust survivors are actually two times more likely to suffer from fibromyalgia. Uh, so there, there, there are some very clear ties now between PTSD and fibromyalgia. And they're looking at, at other connections between um, PTSD and other stuff. And it's all turning out to be the same ones as those adverse childhood experiences. So that's the ACE study. That's adverse childhood experiences. If you didn't know, now you know. So there you go. Thank you very much for listening. It has been a wonderful episode, and I will see you all next week. And remember, stay blessed and stay uncomfortable.